0: Today, I'm joined by Marco Bloom. Marco, thank you very much for coming back on this podcast. is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you're looking to find your edge in sports betting or racing, you'll need to visit the Betfair Hub. From analysis to betting psychology, it has everything that you need. Simply visit betfair.com.au slash hub. Today I'm joined by Marco Bloom. Marco, thank you very much for coming back on.
1: Hey Jay, Yeah, it's been a while, I'm glad to be back on.
0: Yeah, it has. Since we last spoke, uh, things have evolved and changed obviously and uh, we won't backtrack over what we covered last time everyone can go back and listen uh, to that when they get a chance I want to sort of jump straight in and one thing I've heard you talk about recently is is your models and in those models continuing to tighten over the last decade or even longer uh, since Pinnacle's obviously been a dominant player in the sports betting market just might be a dumb basic question but just generally um, why do you build your models and essentially why do you need them
1: well, it's part of our business model, right? Our business model is to, to manage risk. Most betting companies manage their clients by stake factoring them, which means reducing their limits. We actually are in the business of managing liability and, and are very dependent on having good models to do this. Without good models, we would be, uh, uh, we would be victim to, to all these uh, smart customers with well, their good, good models. So we need to fight fire with fire.
0: So, I was talking to someone about this recently, and we were trying to come up with a, an analogy—probably a bad or a loose analogy. But if you think about the hundred-meter sprint, the world record times for that, or even the four hundred-meter sprint, um, those times continue to get lower and lower. And you know, people will say, "Well, it's it's at a point now where you can only shave tenths of seconds off or hundreds of seconds off for your models." Is it something similar if we try and conceptualize it?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean the. The times of of ginormous gains, obviously, over right. We are in a sophisticated world, but but yeah. I mean, that being said, you know, if all these small differences do add up over over time. So, if we wouldn't be improving our models, if we would just you know be happy with a model and then don't look at it uh, for a few years, I'm sure I'm sure the uh, the sophisticated crowd that that is the customers of Pinnacle would uh, would dance around us and, and 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 would parade us through the ring.
0: Are there times where there's overcorrections or, or things are factored in too much, and it sort of goes too far, just like in in the hundred meter sprint or the four hundred meter sprint? There are seasons where the world record is obviously not broken or or times aren't as strong. Is that the case as well with some of the models?
1: Um, yes, I mean models are very complicated. People think about models maybe a little bit too too linear. Models are multi-variable monstrosities, black boxes, and Sometimes you 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 turn too many knobs at the same time and then you actually don't even know exactly why you did something, you know, and, and what the outcome is. It's 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 a rather complicated world here to, to fine-tune models. Models at this stage are, are not simple exotics anymore, where you update a cell and then some other cells update. These are complete machine learning AI-based models, and you know, you know, often black box. You know, you don't even exactly know what's going on underneath underneath the hood.
0: Is it the same for each sport? Like you said now, like we're at a point where we're just shaving tiny tiny bits off the model. Is that the case for uh, all of the different sports? Or is it? Is there a learning curve or a steep learning curve even for some of the, the newer sports or some of the sports that are getting more attention and action when it comes to sports betting?
1: Well, I mean, of course, our, our models for the established sports are more sophisticated than sports than models for exotic sports. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know what I mean? You, you, you focus your energy on on where the turnover is and the turnover is in the established spot, And that's what we're working on the longest and uh, where we put the most modeling work into.
0: And what about things like the World Cup where you may not have a lot of historical data of those teams as the lineups suggest um, over longer periods? Is that more of a different approach or is it somewhat similar and you just use other factors more so than than things like historical data?
1: No, the World Cup is pretty rough in, in in a way, since since you don't have any any reference points, right? So, the first games of 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 the World Cup, you see the lines move quite a lot because you know, there's a lot of uncertainty about what the correct line is. And when at the very end of the World Cup, you finally reach the points where you were where you understood the relative team strengths, but then the World Cup is over. So, you know, you don't, you don't have the luxury of, of domestic leagues where you can watch the season develop and then eventually you have a good understanding about the relative strengths and weaknesses of the clubs.
0: That might be one of the new, unique ones where, you know, often the more efficient the market, the higher the limits. But in the World Cup, certainly the World Cup final and, and those later games, they're very, very high limits, albeit the, the lines may not be as efficient given some of the other factors at play.
1: Yeah, I mean that, that's the advantage of being the only game in town, and, and, and the entire world being focused on it. So the turnover is very, very high. So you have to accommodate it with high limits. There's just no no way you could deal a, a Super Bowl or a World Cup at low limits, right? I mean, this this is where people like to gamble high, and you got to accommodate as a bookmaker. You know, that's 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 the reality. You you can't you can't be uh, tight in the, in the World Cup. You know, World Cup. Your people, your customers want to bet, so let them gamble. You know.
0: So what would it take then, and this is obviously a tricky question to answer specifically, but just generally if you can, what would take it uh, for the line to move in the World Cup Final or Semi-Final compared to something like the NBA Finals Game 7 where everything is pretty much known and factored in, whereas throughout the World Cup it it may not be as simple or as easy as that?
1: You're talking about you know, when the line is established, so I mean the answer is always the same and I've actually have been asked this question in the past a few times uh, what moves uh, what moves lines money moves lines it's, it's as simple as this: nothing else moves lines money moves lines
0: take us through take us through your thought process when you heard about Mayweather and McGregor coming up, and obviously you know along the lines of a more of a unique event, what was the thought process
1: going in <laughs> I, I mean I didn't think I didn't think that it, it would generate nearly as much interest as it did. But it, once it became clear that it was a, a huge spectacle, you know, like uh, like my my personal opinion was that, that McGregor has no chance. You know, but you know, no chance is is, is quote unquote. Uh, yeah, you have to put it in, into into some form of a percentage. Is he an 80% underdog? 90% underdog? And uh, so. You know, it, it was interesting, but then with a fight like this, you have no idea, really. I mean, you're you're just guessing, you know, as much as anybody else. I mean, what kind of you know proprietary information do we have about Mayweather with McGregor? So these, to me, are really raw events that are, that I actually quite enjoy because they they are really raw gambling at the best and raw betting at the best. You know, somebody's opinion against our opinion, and let's see let's see who's right at the end. Do
0: those present opportunities for you to maybe construct your lines a little bit differently when you think you might be because obviously there's a market there's an established marketplace among other operators and and what can be possible and we saw you know almost all of the let's just call it professional community say this is a once in a lifetime opportunity and the the ability to to make money on this event betting mayweather Do you have a similar mindset? I know you've said in the past you're more of a gambling bookmaker as opposed to managing risk. Was this an opportunity where you could construct things uh, to your advantage?
1: Interesting event. I mean, we did gamble relatively high on the event since since, most of us favored favored, uh, the the boxing ex-world champion over the MMA fighter. But... um, you can only gamble so much in a fight like this you know i mean how much are you actually willing to stand up to 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 other people's strong opinion that it gets expressed and and them betting a lot of money so you have to you have to be mindful that you're not getting caught up in, in in your own mind and and in the echo chamber that might exist in your company
0: i wanted to ask about price manipulation and i don't know that it's the right word it has a negative connotation to it but is it something you think about or your traders think about? And is it something you can detect or is it always hindsight where you can tell that someone might've been betting earlier on to, to move a line potentially knowing they have the ability to do that. And then later on betting more substantially on the other side.
1: Line manipulation is a huge topic for us. And uh, it's something that we uh, have a lot of tools in place to monitor for and do a lot of analytics about. Line manipulation is is, per definition means that you're placing wagers in bad faith to move the line a certain way to then take advantage of, of the line being, you know, away from the, from the true probability, how you take advantage of it is, is varies right there. There's, there's many, many ways how people take advantage of line manipulation and some are very hurtful to us and some are, are, are invisible to us. So the other thing is, you know, line manipulation, it doesn't really work in a, in a world where your models generally assume that the line is correctly priced at any given moment in time. So you have to be very, very, very sensitive to line manipulation, and you need, need to pay a lot of attention, a lot of training. and, a, and a lot of, and Actually, we have several models who deal specifically with line manipulation that run on top of this to, to, to detect it. It's a huge topic for us, for sure.
0: Do you see it as generally sinister or do you think it's just part of the game and if your models are correct and accurate like you mentioned then it's it's something that you can consume uh,
1: I, uh, Sinister is, you know, it's uh, I, I, this is not an ethical or moral decision to me I mean I, I don't condone it we will we will do everything to stop it but I also understand that this this is this is somewhat part of the game sadly you know like, so you know, you know. People will uh, will do whatever they can to make money, right? And if this if this this is an avenue for them to generate revenue, I'm sure they will try their best to get to to get there.
0: How prevalent is it? Is it every day? You're discussing it every week, every month.
1: Every day, every day. I mean, you have to understand how many lines we offer in any given day, right? So I mean, there's always line manipulation going on somewhere. Sometimes, sometimes more, sometimes less. But you know, line manipulation is a huge topic.
0: Do you think you're getting better at dealing with it, or is it still in its earlier stages?
1: I think we're quite good at it you know to be quite frank you know I actually wouldn't be surviving but you know that doesn't mean we, we couldn't we 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 can we can be relaxed upon it you know people could always you know always come up with new tricks and and, uh, and new schemes uh, to do line manipulation
0: do you have the luxury of moving towards fully automated trading obviously there's parts of the the process that are automated and a lot of technology involved, but do you think that's something with your business model, your structure that you can head towards or is it always the human element that's going to be critical?
1: Uh, it's always going to be a mix. You know, Fully, fully automation is, is, is not desirable in my mind. You know, the, the humans do add very critical elements any automation you know however I, I, you also don't want to be in a fully manual way because you know humans tend to make mistakes humans get tired humans get cranky while the machine is, is, is doing a much better job at, at, at most menial tasks
0: on we spoke about bots last time have you have you oh, funny a question have you ever seen bots going wrong and maybe oh, yeah. you can tell that something is at play that shouldn't be
1: Yes, I've, I've, I've seen bots go astray. You know, just just like uh, you know the stories about financial market bots going astray. I've seen uh, I've seen betting bots go astray. You know, and it's uh it's quite funny when when that happens. You know, uh, I, I have to say, like the the German word of Schadenfreude comes to my mind. there. Yeah. How do you how are you supposed to handle it as an operator? Well, I mean, it depends. Like it's it, it's sometimes really hard to handle. I mean, sometimes we shut the accounts down. I mean, it doesn't happen that often. People are very careful with their bots. I mean, everybody everybody who, who ever writes a bot that can place wages will, will, will be very careful to put some safeguards in in so that, that if there's a buck in the programming, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't wipe out the bankroll.
0: Yeah. No, I, there's some legal cases on this topic, which are quite interesting, a number of years ago now. But I think as we progress through the... The 2020s, let's call it, it's going to be an interesting area where it does increase and maybe even more off the shelf tools are available. Uh, There's going to be more malfunctions and breakdowns, and it could be an interesting one to come. Yeah, for sure. So, do you see a future where obviously bots is is one way where it's not necessarily manually human uh, bet placement? Do you think there's going to be a future where you will accept bets through other mediums? And I know you kind of do in certain ways, but. Through things like Amazon or Facebook or through your television with your remote in hand, do you think you'll ever accept those types of things?
1: Eh, I, don't, I don't want to say never, but I don't think it's in, I don't think it's in the cards right now to, to do this.
0: Pre-game traders versus your live traders, are they the same person, same people? Are they different skill sets? How do you assess what's required for either of those?
1: Uh no it's 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 the same same pool of people I mean yeah you know we have people who specialize on life and we have people people who specialize on pre, but its it's nothing that that predestines somebody to be on on either side of 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 the decision It's just some people some people like to watch games more than others, so naturally they they probably are more into the life game aspect of it, you know, but there's nothing that that separates these these kind of groups you know the work is very similar as well. You know, you have to understand the betting patterns. You have to understand the up and flow of a game. You have to understand the customers. You have to understand the teams, the league, and so on. I mean, nothing really changes, you know.
0: What about on finding the traders? How do you, uh, you may not find and hire everyone, but your team and and how you approach it generally, are you trying to find someone and training them intensively? Are you trying to find them pre-trained with certain tricks and techniques already in their toolkit? Or how do you go about doing it?
1: I usually prefer people who are not trained and, and, and so that we can actually train them in, in the way that we do it. You know, other companies do things slightly differently than us, so it, it's often easier if they start from scratch. That being said, if somebody is very experienced, it's also not, then not that hard for them to learn a, new, a few new tricks. So you know, it's probably the most dangerous if, 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 if you have half knowledge and, 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 and are less willing to change, change your way. Those are the people that, that I try to avoid.
0: And are there limitless people out there that you would be willing to bring on? Or is it
1: a very small pool that you're, you're working within a lot of smart people out there, you know, we're always interested in hiring smart people for sure.
0: So I want to talk a bit more about, we talked about world cup before, um, and you talked a bit about the efficiency, are you willing to risk more in, in those types of events or do you just want to get out of there alive and unscathed to a, to a certain extent?
1: you have to risk more i mean that's just the reality i mean you just have to gamble a little bit higher in the world cup then you know you have very high limits right if if, if you're trading like what are we trading off like five hundred thousand dollar limits you know like you you gotta you know some customers decide to 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 bet team a over team b or you can easily be exposed for a few millions very very quickly and sometimes it's you know it's it's not great to trade out of it So you you just have to yeah, yeah, you have to gamble higher in the World Cup than, than than you gamble on another game. Limits are always a good indicator about how how much you can actually gamble. I have to gamble, right? If if you trade a league for two hundred dollars, yeah, you you, you won't have that much exposure. You know? But if you trade a trade a league for five hundred thousand, sometimes in the World Cup we do a million dollar limits. You know, obviously we're going to get exposed.
0: We talked about some of the bigger sports last time we spoke. I'm I'm interested in the smaller sports. I think we focused a bit on esports as well, but. In terms of prioritizing them, what goes into that? Because obviously, before esports was a priority for Pinnacle, it wasn't. So, what, what trips something up to be able to become something you're very much focusing on?
1: Um, it's, a, it's a cycle between you, uh, a circle, sorry, you start offering it, you get turnover. You know, you're offering more, you get more turnover, and then and then eventually uh, you have a full-fledged sport like esports, and you have great turnover, great interest of customers, and uh, and so it becomes a major focus of it. Uh, in other sports, you know for some reason your clients might not like your product, you know they they don't enjoy. If you offer them water polo, no one cares about it, so you never really expand the product and 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 focus on it because you 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 think there might not be the potentially the potential payoff at the end end of the work
0: and do you when you add new sports or or different leagues for example is it usual that you would have them taken down at a certain point or is it Uncommon. They usually find a way to subsist, even if there is very much low turnover and low interest.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't give up immediately, but you know, after sometimes after six months, twelve months, we might just decide after a review to say, mm, you know, the turnover has never really increased. It's only a handful of customers that are betting this instead of a, a vast amount of you know, like several customers, new customers. You know, so a lot of factors come come into this, but sometimes we have to give up, for sure.
0: And. Is it always worth it from a commercial perspective on those smaller sports and events? Obviously the, the turnover is lower, the return, you know, in in money figures is obviously lower. Maybe the, the margin is very different, but is it always something you're willing to do in terms of spending your time on?
1: Well, we're trying to appease our customers, right? I mean, our customers have demands on us. And so we're trying to offer whatever we can, but you know, if, if, if then you offer a sport and, and only one, two customers, you know, who are, who are very, very proficient in the sport, take advantage of, 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 your, of your weak lines, of your lack of models, you know, the sport becomes a liability. So you, you have to make a decision eventually.
0: And, and the trajectory, is it always very similar in terms of as turnover goes up, margin will probably go down and, and generally ROI will change in that sort of uh, balance?
1: Yeah, it's always the same trajectory for sure. Are
0: there any, are there any new sports on those lists that you're uh, focusing on more? Or are they no, pretty much
1: the same? no, no, pretty much the same. I mean, esports now obviously is, is one is the biggest focus, you know, given you know, given the lack of any other product out there right now. So, you know, but but the you know, the entire world of sports of sports betting is now an esports world.
0: Yeah, it's it's getting strange. Do you have a sense of what will happen once we come back to normal with with sports resuming? Do you think it'll be as it was previously? I think there will be a shift in the landscape.
1: Uh, I, th- I think one one thing that that that, uh, that will change in the future is that almost every every single bookmaker has esports after uh, after COVID nineteen is over. You know, if you, if you if you're a bookmaker right now, you you must offer esports. Yeah, you know, else you don't have a product.
0: And what about financial crisis, economic crisis on sports betting operators? Uh, I don't know what the impact was with O eight, but thinking through now, do you think it'll be something that is Very detrimental or is it one of those things where people will still bet they'll still drink they'll still smoke throughout even economic and financial crisis
1: well i mean well that part that part i think is true i don't think that's going to change you know Uh, however i mean uh, the question is i mean the difference between 08 and right now is 08 sports we're still playing right now we don't have any sports playing so many of the operators are, are, are getting hurt right now
0: yeah it could be even on the operator side a different landscape obviously you know we're seeing Flutter and the Stars Group coming together. Obviously, Bet Three Six Five is always at top of those lists. Do you think having uh, those massive companies who are taking up large market share and obviously they're very different to your business model and different operations altogether? But is that better for you? Does it make no difference, given you work in a, a whole different sphere?
1: I mean, it doesn't really affect us to be quite honest, you know. But I, I think it's it's, it's very dangerous for for other small bookmakers who operate in the same business space as these giant companies
0: do no, I think it's, it's one of those things where as they go through regulatory approval it's going to be interesting to see what type of scrutiny exists and ultimately what happens we're seeing even in the US states sometimes with um, early indications that it's going to be one, two, maybe three different bookmakers that take up the vast majority of shares so yeah, I'm guessing that's going to subsist throughout the, the different territories
1: yep.
0: What do you think you would be doing if you weren't at Pinnacle? I don't know if I asked you this last time but I think <laughs> uh, it's probably a question you get all the time
1: yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really like sports betting. I enjoy this, this space, so I'm not so sure what I would do if if, if I wouldn't be if I wouldn't be working at Pinnacle. You know, I'm haven't really made up my mind on that.
0: What's uh, what are the new topics and issues you got to deal with? I mean, we talked about line manipulation before. I'm sure there's a, a few others. I know there was a ghost match more recently. There's probably some things that have been going on for a while. But <laughs> anything new on the agenda for 2020 and beyond that's uh, not necessarily talked about?
1: No, I mean, I mean, I mean, if you ask me what, what I'm focusing on, I mean, mostly like uh, we launched, we have launched a B2B product, you know, and, and this, this is this is one. But I've been working on, I'm very dedicated to get a proper B2B product in the world, so that other people, other bookmakers can can benefit from Pinnacle's risk making, risk management abilities.
0: So how would that work? Would that be for existing operators that may want to take sports that they don't have, or at least augment what they currently have?
1: Yeah, that's how it would work exactly. Uh, you, you can basically outsource your trading to, to Pinnacle and, and let, let us presumably the experts handle your risk more efficiently than what you do right now. What
0: type of customer experience will that have for someone that may not use Pinnacle now or doesn't have access right now but will eventually through this type of situation?
1: Um, I'm not so sure because the customer experience is still defined by the operator and not really by us, right? We're with, with, with supplying the product. Yeah, you know, we're, you know, we're just trying to. I mean, the operator now has the choice of maybe allowing a little, a little different clientele to be betting with them. So there are there might be some options that the operator didn't have before.
0: It seems contrary to the typical model of many sports books Have you had those conversations about how they're going to balance what they're currently doing with uh, with a B two B solution like this that might adjust how they've typically thought about risk or liabilities and things like that?
1: Um, I, I think uh, we haven't fully explored the space yet, but you know. You know, I think I think there's opportunities that some of these bookmakers realize exist in a world way where where we can take on you know customers a little bit differently than they have before. So you know, but I don't think we've we fully explored the space yet.
0: Have you been keeping one half of one eye on the U.S. market at all?
1: Yeah, a quarter of an eye at, at most. You know, the U.S. market is 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 shaping up nicely. You know, but you know, it's it's still still going slowly in some ways in my mind
0: yeah it's going to take some time to evolve. I don't think the current pandemic situation will help or at least accelerate things, but do, you, no, do you, what do you see for the future just thinking generally about the us as we get more sports books, more betting action through these licensed operators, what impact will that have on u s sports
1: oh, it's going to be great. I mean you know, many many new new clients more 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 turnover in the us sports. I think overall it's nothing but positive that, that the us is opening up nothing but positive than you know that I can think of.
0: Do you think it'll have any negative impacts with people allocating more of their time and efforts and resources into the US and new markets or do you think it'll be pretty much fine for the existing operations?
1: Oh, it's going to be fine. You know, it's just, you know, more more clients, more clients are, are allowed to to uh, to gamble legally again in the United in States, you know, which is great.
0: Yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been an interesting couple of years already, so it's going to be even more strange and bizarre or excellent moving forward so we'll see how it see how it evolves. uh evolves sorry what yep. what do you do in this time when you've obviously got some time to plan i'm guessing or at least look forward throughout the rest of 2020 what happens if all sports come back at the same time are you able to deal with that or what's the the thought process behind having multiple sports coming back at all at once
1: I mean, I mean that would be a dream scenario. I mean, obviously we are ready to to trade. I mean, we we have been trading before COVID, so we're ready to trade after COVID. You know, right now I'm actually more busy than than, than pre-COVID because you know, like you really got to make sure that everything is as tight as possible. You know, that you offer the most product that you can. So you know, we're offering you know more product than we have ever offered. Uh, <laughs> more niche markets. So and those niche markets have associated problems with them. So right now it's a very busy time for myself actually.
0: Is it? positive for esports do you think i know we, we touched on it already but just in terms of all the different things going on in the world right now and then esports being propelled forward uh is that ultimately going to be good
1: yeah yeah, yeah for sure i mean i mean you know this this, this is if this is what it would, maybe maybe this is what what it needed to take to cement esports even further in people's mind that esports is really like really like a big thing and and, and won't go away you know
0: yeah no doubt I think everyone's locked inside they got to figure out what to do with their time and esports may not be the worst use of everyone's time correct so just a couple of general questions on the betting side if you don't mind Um, just from your perspective I know you're on the operator side but just from a professional gambler or someone looking at that space um, let's just say Premier League for example from your viewpoint what's a realistic uh, ROI for those looking at Premier League and obviously it varies by a number of different factors but just given those markets and how they how they are at the moment if we see premier league coming back next few seasons what should someone be aiming for
1: i have no idea hopefully you aim, you aim to make some money you know if it's 2% 3% 1% you know and anything is good in my book you know it's it's not an easy sport to beat yeah you know, but if you do your research if you, you know good 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 luck i mean you know, the, the limits are high you know
0: does it on the flip side of the the uh, smaller niche markets can that ROI jump pretty high or is it something that yeah it can
1: yeah, it can I mean some of these markets are very very inefficient you know some of these markets have very generic odds you know and if you do your research you know you, you you might you find edges you know that that you know and then you might be able to exploit these edges 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 for quite a long time
0: yeah I think the one thing with this break period of time without the major sports it'll be interesting to see what impact that has on the overall betting markets if uh if things shift back to normal pretty quickly with the focus on those major events or if it's it's going to change but i think the the other question that often comes up from the the betting side is your trading team and in your group that you work with what's uh what are some of the topics they're thinking about at the moment whether it's books they're reading publications how are they allocating their time when they may not be full-time trading
1: Everybody's watching esports right now. You know that, that that's what it is. You know, everybody who has never traded esports before is now becoming an esports trader.
0: There you go. I guess you got to cross over and and expand your
1: portfolio. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like some of some of the very experienced traders, you know, you know, are trying esports now for the first time, and actually, you know, some of them even like it. You know.
0: Well, Marco, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you coming back on the podcast. For those that haven't listened to the first round, they should definitely go back even though it's been a couple of years. But uh, as always, appreciate your time and thanks for coming on the show.
1: All right. Thank you, Jake, And uh, stay safe, everybody.